Some really familiar words from 1 Kings 17, the story of Elijah. Elijah's name means my God of power, or Jehovah is my strength. The Lord is my God. And in his life, Elijah lived up to his name in deed and in the truth he proclaimed. James in the New Testament writes about him as an example of a man of prayer. James 5 verse 17, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He was a human being, like you and me. And that's something, isn't it? He was nothing in himself, but the strength of God was his. He could do nothing, and yet great things were done through him. He was an ordinary person, but commissioned with God's power and authority. Jehovah is my strength. It's implied in the name. Elijah was born in the mountains of Gilead in Tishbe, a shabby little village, obscure, off the beaten track. His ministry was during the reign of King Ahab, a tame king in the hands of a bloodthirsty wife called Jezebel. And through her, the worship of Baal became the established religion in the nation, and worshippers of Yahweh were persecuted. This was the background in which Elijah ministered, a lone voice in the wilderness, or so it seemed. In the middle of all this idolatry and materialism, Elijah went to Ahab and declared with boldness that there would not be any rain or dew for two or three years until he said so. This was a direct challenge to the followers of Baal, as he was a god of the storm and was said to bring on the rain. This word was spoken in God's name, in judgment for what was happening in the nation, the worship of other gods and the perilous state of the nation of Israel at that time. So what is God saying to us today? When so many follow other gods of greed and materialism, and where so many do not heed God's commandments, God is judging this nation. However, it is an opportunity for God's people to stand up and be counted, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, for he is able to rescue us from the judgment that is to come. In those difficult times, God spoke through Elijah, but he did not stay apart from what he was declaring. He shared in the drought and stood with the people in their trials. The phrase in 1 Kings 17 verse 1, whom I serve, 
means literally, before whom I stand. He was standing with God and standing with the people in drought conditions. If we stand with God, then we must be prepared to take the consequences of the message we are given to proclaim. If the message from God today is one of judgment on a rebellious nation, and I believe it is, then we must be prepared to go through the pain of the results of God's judgment while still proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and his great rescue plan. Then in all the difficulties, the word of God came to Elijah again. It was like a breath of fresh air in a land of desolation and misery. And it's good to hear from the Lord in times of difficulty when we hear of his eternal love and compassion. Elijah was given the word, not only to comfort him, but also to rescue him from danger. It was done in a way that would glorify the name of the Lord and to serve as an exercise of faith for Elijah to crucify self. No fiery chariot or whirlwind yet to take him away from the situation, but a message. Leave here, turn eastwards, and hide in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have instructed the ravens to supply you with food there. No doubt, as with other people, there was a part of Elijah that wanted to oppose the word of God. Don't forget, Elijah was like us. And I don't think we would necessarily want to go for a long walk to a lonely spot in the middle of the wilderness to spend a year sitting beside a brook at the bottom of a ravine. Even security from the pursuit of Ahab and the general drought was not particularly comfortable with the prospect of being fed by a flock of unclean ravens. But however, however much the natural conditions might have repelled Elijah, he obediently accepted God's word. Verse 5 says, So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. So there he was in the Kerith ravine, a dreary place, wild and desolate, near the banks of the Jordan. Dead silence reigned apart from the birds bringing him his food. Solitude for 12 months. For Elijah, it was no doubt a time for self-examination, for prayer, talking with God. And that was enough for him at that time for it was all preparation for what was to come. Our God, our loving Savior, is always to be found by those who seek him and who call upon his name. In times of difficulty or not, in times of judgment or not, the Lord can speak to us so that we can be led by him. If you feel that you are in the wilderness at this time, 
sitting in the Kerith ravine, then take heart. By faith we will be sustained there under his care. Psalm 4 verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So there was Elijah in his ravine, not leaving until the Lord said so. But it wasn't all bad. The brook Kerith, whose name denotes drought, kept running for a year. That was a miracle. But after a while, it did dry up. Elijah, however, continued to wait on the Lord. What happens when we're in the wilderness? The brook dries up. Our resources seem exhausted. Again, we're called to patiently wait upon the Lord and reflect on the promises of Jesus Christ. Some people believe that our lives should be free from hardship as followers of Jesus. But he does not promise that. Jesus promises to be with us in the times of joy and in the times of difficulty. We wait upon him, content to leave the matter to his mighty wisdom and love. Romans 8 verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God knows what's best for us. And although we may feel dried up spiritually, and the old love for the Lord we used to have is a bit cold, believe the promises of God, that the drought will be turned to blessing. For he keeps his word. But how he will do it is in his hands. Let him do with us what seems good to him, for we will learn through it. Soon after, help did come for Elijah, but not from fresh supplies of water or other forms of refreshment. It was another journey and another test of faith. Verses 8 and 9, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have instructed a widow there to supply you with food. The journey was right across the country, beyond the borders of Israel, where Jezebel came from. <laughs> to a Phoenician widow, not a Jew. And again, Elijah would be entitled to have a moan at God. But he knew when the Lord had spoken, and off he went. It was the right place to go. Elijah found it just as the Lord had said, he came across a poor widow gathering sticks for her last fire and meal. Poor as she appeared to Elijah, his faith could tell him that if the Lord had appointed her to care for him, she would have the wherewithal to do so. With God, who had fed him for 12 months by ravens, 
nothing was impossible. In conversation with Elijah, the widow realized that she was the person whom God had appointed, and she did what he told her. The result was that Elijah, the widow, and her son were sustained for many days. There was always just enough. If God calls us to go somewhere or do something for him, have faith that he will sustain us. We may have troubles, we may have difficulties, but let's place our lives on the firm foundation of God in Jesus Christ and base the security of our lives on his promises. Psalm 42 verse 11 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. For Elijah and the widow, the result was truly miraculous. But then disaster. The widow's son became ill and died. The mother was naturally greatly distressed, as you can imagine. Her delight and her hope, the dearest object she had in the world, was gone. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come in to remind me of my sin and kill my son? And yet God meant this event for good, and it bore much fruit. The widow may well have been a religious person. She seemed to respond well to the words Elijah was saying about the Lord. She was a bit like Lydia before God opened her heart to respond to Paul's message about Jesus. They were both acquainted with God in a partial, superficial way. Now the widow's mind was awakened to God. It seemed to her that God had looked into her heart for the first time. For many people today, something happens in their lives and it awakens thoughts of God and how short they are of his peace and love in their lives. Affliction is often necessary for sin to be recognized, dealt with, and for that person to be made alive to God through Jesus Christ. So the widow's heart was awakened to God, and Elijah took the boy, prayed over him, and he was restored. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. What a remarkable statement of faith to make. It shows how glad she is, but it also shows that she has been changed. Elijah was sent to the widow, not merely for his own security, but to bring her to faith and to strengthen it. The relief of her hunger and provision of food became the introduction to supplying her spiritual needs. And through Elijah's teaching a firm faith in God's word. What is God saying to us at this time in our lives 
or in our church's life? Have we discovered God's place of prayer for us? It may not be in a barren ravine, but is there somewhere where we feel close to God and can communicate with Him and He with us? And if we're going through a hard time or feeling dried up spiritually, place your faith in our mighty God and trust in His promises. For this passage of Scripture shows us that God provides, that He supplies our spiritual needs. Sometimes He needs to prune us and to bring us to a clear understanding of God in Jesus Christ and who He is in Christ, and grow in us a firmer faith in His Word. May that be true in each one of our lives.